everyone, I just want to confirm a few things right off the bat. Um, it's Monday. I'm releasing this episode on a Monday. I think depending where you are, might be a Tuesday, might still be Sunday, but in the United States and, you know, PST, Pacific Standard Time, this is being released on a Monday. We can confirm that. You're also, you know, hearing my voice. I'm talking into the mic. Can confirm that. I'm wearing an A shirt. That was me just kind of grabbing the A shirt. We can confirm that. So that must mean, everyone, this is the Monday Morning Commute Podcast. My name is John. Here's my thing. I saw the movie, I think it was called 2012. It was the Doomsday movie. I don't know the budget. It didn't seem that high. They just threw all these conceptions and everyone's imagination as to how the world was going to end and just chucked it onto the screen. Came up with some sort of, I would say, decently creative narrative as to how everyone was going to live. And then, you know, we kind of just bought into the hype. But then 2012, what was it? December 21st, 2012. That day came and none of it happened. But it was still a fun movie, fun idea to play with. And you're still a little bit nervous. You're watching the clock tick, but we're still here. That movie was about the apocalypse. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what language you speak. The word apocalypse, it's a scary word. Let, let's take away the definition real quick. Just the word apocalypse. A lot of letters. A uh, lot of syllables. That's tough to pronounce. Apocalypse. And I think the way it comes out of the lips, the way it bounces off the tongue, vibrations in general, just a lot of bad energy from that word apocalypse. Then we attach the definition behind it. No, no, no. I'm not down. And while that, well, that movie, excuse me, while 2012 talked about the apocalypse, in Portland, we had something similar, but different. Same, same, but different. A snowpocalypse, which is not as scary as the word apocalypse, but at the same time, apocalypse, that's just kind of that's a little frightening in its own right. So not as scary, a little more cheerful. Nonetheless, I mean, the Fred Myers of the world, the Costco, excuse me, of Portland, Costco, New Seasons, Whole Foods, your plaid pantry, 7-Eleven, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, flooded. Everyone's getting what they can, stocking up from bottled water to canned goods to toiletries, and rightfully so. Best be prepared. I think that 100% is a good way to take it. And I'm seeing all this stuff on the news, though. I'm seeing photos, I, I, group chats, Twitter, Slack. Everyone's talking about how packed it is. Things are hectic. Tensions are getting high. Thankfully, I went to Trader Joe's on a Wednesday, and it was extremely mellow. I went before the entire storm really even hit, of people, I should say. I stocked up. Got a lot of good stuff. I'm going to discuss one of the things I got a little bit later. So I was set. I didn't have to go to the grocery store. But the way I was seeing everything play out on the news and all these chats and just rumors and conversation, it's, it was kind of, it, it's kind of scary. I'm from California. I don't know this whole snow thing. I don't, I'm not used to it snowing in. I've had a snow day, but that was in college. And it was, it was actually a very delightful time. I had a final postponed. I've only had positive experiences in the snow is kind of what I'm trying to get at. But then you take the word snow and you put apocalypse with it and you pair them together. An apocalypse is bad, but snow, so I don't know what's going to happen. And I think the main fear was it's kind of high 30s during the day, but in technically, I guess it could still snow, but it just won't stick. It'll melt. But then at nighttime, we get in the low 20s, and that's when things start freezing over. We get some ice and stuff, slip and sliding. I'm a little nervous at this point. I'm a little, I don't know what to expect. Everyone, I went to bed 
on Friday night with knowledge that we'd have some snow around 2 a.m. to maybe dancing in the 7 a.m. like range. I knew I'd probably wake up around 9.30, 10 o'clock. That, that was my objective. So I, I go to sleep assuming when I'm up around 9.45, if this is the snowpocalypse, I'm going to see a heavy, like a nice comforter in terms of a blanket of snow over Portland. Kind of thick. The, the type of comforter where if you hop into bed, house a little chilly, maybe 65 degrees, and you're only wearing boxer briefs for some reason, once you hop in that comforter, give it about three minutes, you'll be nice and toasty. That's what I was expecting, something at Ikea, but that's not what I got because everyone, I woke up around 9.30, 10 a.m. Saturday morning. First thing I do, I'm rubbing my eyes. Before I know it, left hand's extending up on my desk. I'm grabbing some water, just kind of clearing my parched throat. Head not ringing, slight, you know, a little kind of almost like a dehydrated buzz, bit of a headache. I shake it off, rotate 180 degrees, and I open my blinds. Now, what do I see? I didn't see a comforter. I didn't see a TV room blanket. Everyone, the amount of snow that graced Portland from what I could see out of my bedroom window, no more than one ply of toilet paper without even doubling up, straight up one ply toilet paper. It was pathetic, but it was still beautiful. So of course I'm queuing up Bing Crosby. I'm getting into that mood. I'm not going to you know, take this for granted. There's still snow outside. It's still gorgeous. It just wasn't an apocalypse level of snow. When we put the word apocalypse in snow, I'm sorry. You need 24 inches. I don't even know if that's feasible. I don't think so. That sounds a lot. I don't, again, I really don't understand the whole snow metrics. If, if, if 24 is, that, well, 24, that sounds kind of wild to me. I'm assuming that might be apocalyptic level. Because in all rea- in terms of me just navigating areas with snow, in terms of me kind of losing my cool, in terms of me taking a photo, every 25 feet because there's so much snow, you need about four inches. So if I'm saying 24 inches is apocalyptic, does that move any weight? It was beautiful. I was into it. It just wasn't that scary. The the roads were totally clear. I thought I was going to have to lift because I still wanted to do things. I thought I was going to have to lift everywhere. I figured the bus lines would be down and the buses might've been, but I feel comfortable driving. And this is coming from someone who I'd say prior to moving to Portland, the worst weather I have ever drove in my life, it might've been high fifties and a light drizzle. I I literally had the window down occasionally. It got a little too hot in the car, cranking that puppy up all the way around high, the seat warmers cooking. I was confident taking Olu out and about hundred percent. There, there were moments where it started flurrying a little bit. And I did get a little anxious because I was like, maybe this is what they were referring to. Maybe the whole apocalypse had just kind of shown up late to the party, a little fashionably late. Obviously not ideal because I was a little far from home. It started snowing. And I could, I, you know, visibility wasn't a big deal. Um, but the flurries, I mean, they turned out at first anxiety inducing. But after a while, I mean, all I had to do was turn down the music a little bit, kind of refocus, grip the wheel, sit up straight. And it was pretty. It was almost less stressful than driving in pouring rain. And the flurries were coming kind of fast. I'd say winds were looking 10, 15 miles an hour. This whole snowpocalypse, it really turned out to be like getting your first flu shot. And everyone hypes it up. And it's a needle. And it's sharp. We watch cartoons and they make these needles way fatter. And in cartoons, the arms on, like for example, Fairly Odd Parents, I remember there's one episode where uh, Wanda and Cosmo, they had to administer some sort of shot 
I don't know why it might've been the anti-fairies, but they basically got this large needle and the syringe was larger than Timmy Turner's arm. So naturally, you know, when I see that in my head and I'm getting my flu shot, I'm going to freak out a little bit. But then when you get in the chair and the nurse administering the shot to you is very kind, is very sweet. You can hold your mom's hand as hard as you want. It's really not that bad. I wasn't holding anyone's hand during the snowpocalypse, but once I was kind of in it, once I parked my car, once I paid my fee and I started walking downtown now in the flurries, it was gorgeous. It was cold, but it was gorgeous. It wasn't that scary. And I was in the thick of it, just looking around, taking it all in. We're looking 30 degrees. It's kind of soft, I'm going to be honest with you. But then again, I completely understand why everyone went out and about and got the goods, especially if you, you, know, if you live in hilly areas, you got to prepare. At the same time, I don't think I got my money's worth. That's the way I'm looking at it. I'm still glad I went to Trader Joe's though on Wednesday. Everyone, my Trader Joe's haul was mean this week. Got some pre-made salads, a pizza, some uh, orange chicken. Got some tangerines too, get that vitamin C. But I think the most, hands down, the most fantastic purchase I made was some Greek yogurt, pomegranate Greek yogurt. I think Greek yogurt is the best yogurt out there. Don't hit me with Yoplait. It's good. Don't give me, Yoplait's good. And I've danced with Gogurt. I've tangoed with Danimals. I've dabbled with homemade yogurt. At the end of the day, if it's not Greek yogurt, I don't know if I want to talk, or maybe just not as seriously. I, I would still like to talk if yogurt is involved because I'm always down to you know, work something in with granola. But if I'm having any serious negotiations, it's Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt's fantastic, I'm going to be honest. And here, here's the way I'm looking at it. I think in time, taste buds, at least mine, they've changed. I don't know if I want to throw out the word matured, but I'm into different things, right? When I was younger, coffee, no, no, no. I consume it on a daily basis. Now, when I was younger, beer was disgusting. Not going to say no to a PBR. Greek yogurt provides an element of subtle sophistication in the sense that, you know, of course I'm getting in ample proteins and maybe a little bit too much sugar, depending on obviously the fruit, but it tells a story. It provides a narrative. It provides a climax that I'm not going to find in Yoplait, that I'm not going to find in Gogurt. The way I see it, the brilliance in Greek yogurt goes far beyond that of yogurt norms. I would think food norms in general. It's kind of in its own league. You got two characters that play Greek yogurt, the bitter, little tangy, kind of sour, makes those lips pucker, catches you off guard. It's an edgy personality, a little different, smells different. Maybe it wears too much cologne. We're not sure. But on the back end, you got the fruit, sweet, subtle, compassionate. And here's where things get interesting because I don't think that they're actually fighting in your mouth and I don't think they're dancing either. I think more often than not, we'll see fruit always take center stage. Always take center. Where a fruit cake, your simple yo play. Maybe it's the apple and the lunch pail, kind of getting squished, maybe smearing, maybe opening up, the juice is kind of leaking out, almost ruining the entire lunch. It's the banana at the bottom of the purse, bursting open, getting banana over everything. And it's kind of annoying. It didn't have to do that. Maybe it's upstaging anything from your cell phone to your wallet. It's all over there. Just letting you know it's there. In Greek yogurt, the fruit, I don't know if humble's a good way to put it. They work together very well, but it's not like they're best friends. 
the bitter Greek yogurt, the sweet fruit, working like maybe classmates in a group project. They know each other, but not too well. They'll engage when they need to, maybe in class time or one hour before they have to present. Mellow compatibility is what I'm going to go with. I mean, they do their best. Maybe one's a little bit more talkative. Like I said, the Greek yogurt, edgy, it's a bit out there. But the fruit's sweet, enjoyed by everyone. It makes for a killer performance and a killer presentation. When you can put that together, you're going to get an A in the class. And when you can put that together in food, you've got something special. Everyone, I'm actually literally looking at the clock right now, and it is about that time. So as I wrap things up, I hope maybe we're getting off the bus. Maybe we're pulling into our parking spot. Or maybe we're not even commuting at all. I don't, I don't really know. But either way, everyone, this was the Monday Morning Commute Podcast. My name is John. This all was my thing. Thank you for rock with me. Until next time.